Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Olivia Rondo, conservatarian journalist and activist, also a rising political science major, University of Pennsylvania. Good to have you on the show, how are you? Thank you for having me, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I did notice that you have some libertarian tendencies, which I always appreciate because I think that's authentic in, in a lot of the linear logic of conservatives. I think that has been lost with some of the Trump movement. So. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about left-leaning policies and right-leaning policies, in particular, how they apply to black America. So so if you would give us your sentiment and I will opine. Well, first and foremost, thank you for not assuming. I really appreciate that. I think my opinions do differ from mainstream black conservatism. And when I talk about mainstream black conservatism, I'm talking about you know the forefront figureheads at at the, at the front of the black conservative movement. When I'm talking about Blexit, Turning Point USA, mm. organizations such as that. So in my opinion, black America has greatly suffered at the hands of government intervention. You know, dating back hundreds of years. I don't think that has uh, change. I think that systemic racism exists, and that's why I think I am set apart from a lot of major conservative organizations and even a lot of major black conservatives. Uh, I think where you and I differ, doctor, is how to um, quell that systemic racism and how to stop it. I uh, lean, as you said, libertarian, so I think the answer is always less government intervention. So let me bring some things to your attention, uh, because we may not differ as much as you think. Um, I can appreciate the less government point of view. I can appreciate that. I can only truly apply it, however, if the government takes less of my money. Now, as long as the government is taking away my money as taxes, right? I then get to demand how that money is spent for my communities. That's the great advocacy and lobbying work of those in the community. If you're gonna take my money, well, damn it, you need to give us something back in return. And I will give you a few examples of this. Um, so I went to college on what's called the Federal Trio Program, which is called Upward Bound or Talent Search, depending on where you are in America. Uh, but this is a federal line item. It pays for your SAT test, it pays the fee for your college applications, uh, and it helps you with scholarship money if you are a first year, a uh, first time generation or first generational college student. Uh, which is great, right? That's government money. That government money helped me and I was able to go to college, all right? That's because they take money away from us <laughs> as citizens. So I don't think that program is harmful. Like that program helps a lot of historically marginalized communities because systemic racism and inequity exists, as you are well aware. So tell me how would a program like that fare in your vision of America? Well, I've always said this, uh, social welfare and social programs, especially for minorities. In my libertarian um, utopia, social welfare programs would be the last thing to cut because those are not the mm. big drain government money right now. Okay. Um, nobody really wants to talk about the military industrial complex. Nobody wants to talk about how much 
money we waste in so many other areas. Yeah. So um, when we're talking about you know uh, federal grants for you know first time college students to waive their SAT fees, that's not really on the top of my list of things as a libertarian to slash and cut the budget. Um, in the future, I don't think that federal uh, uh, inter intervention or help in education is very beneficial because when the feds step in and this this includes loans for everybody this includes fafsa this includes small grants and small loans along the nature of what you have described this causes education higher education to drive up their prices because they know that more people will be able to afford it with these federal loans and federal grants the end result is that more people owe more debt in the future and that college will keep rising their prices so at the end of the day Government and federal intervention in education drives up the prices, even if it makes it easier for students to pay it in the here and now. So I think we should drive for a time where we don't need these grants, we don't need FAFSA, we don't need these federal intervention in higher education. And it will actually create a more equitable education for black students as well, because they will end up holding less debt. I agree that we should have affordable college. My second doctorate is actually in higher education federal policy. And in that I explore the nuances of how much college costs. And really there's a benefit to education that we don't talk about in the context of economy. The more education you have typically the more money you will make over the course of your lifetime. And that means you contribute more to the tax revenue and you have a better opportunity for options in the workplace. Well, that's that's good, all right? So I, I like your principle, but we have to connect the principle to practice here. The principle is good. We need to have affordable college, right? We need to we need to deflate rather than inflate the cost of higher education. Now let's step back a little bit. Practically, right? How do you implement a strategy? And we're talking about a political strategy because those on your side and mine, many of them are still traditionalists when it comes to higher education cost. All right? How do you implement a political strategy to get them to see the light that it's a in mass benefit if you actually figure out how to decrease higher education for those seeking it. I think it's really simple once you put it this way. Okay. When colleges see that the federal government will basically fund anyone's education for however much they owe, they will continue to raise prices and raise prices and raise prices. Black people will suffer the most from this as like we've you know, discovered through studying systemic racism. There is a, less, a lesser amount of generational wealth of household income that whites than, than white students. So these white students are able to pay off this debt more than these black students. But sister, I have to opine on this. Right now, typically at an HBCU, 92% of students at HBCUs, I'm an HBCU professor, they are able to get some kind of federal financial aid. If you eliminate the program abruptly, you have now dried up the opportunity for 92% of those students to obtain higher education. That is not a win for black people. That is not a win for the black culture. You have to be more sensible about the application of the policy because right now, the reason why these federal financial aid programs are available or the reason why they are operational is because of the affordability factor. It's an investment into your future self so that your future earnings can increase and you're right. If you do something like this, you know who can afford it more so than black folk? White folk who have an annual earning 20 to 40% higher than the average black family. So they can afford it, they have the disposable income and the investment income in order to do that. You take away the program abruptly, you now dry up over 
of HBCU students in America who rely on some form of financial aid from the government in order to obtain higher education. What are your thoughts on that? Understood, sir. And like I said before, and you know, I never met abruptly. Like I said, yeah. social welfare and social programs like the ones that you described that let you waive the SAT. Yeah. SAT requirement fee and all this kind of things, those should be the last things to go. Like you said before, this is our money that we paid in. That's and right. so the money that goes back to the people, that should be the last thing to cut. Overall, obviously, I believe we should pay much less taxes, much less mm-hmm. in taxes. But the first things that we should cut are the things that don't have anything to do with us. So when black people pay taxes, I want black people to get that tax monies back, not to the military industrial complex, mm-hmm. not to all this other stuff that doesn't affect us at all. So I think we're on the same page. I don't want to cut any anyone's loans or federal funding abruptly for social issues such as higher education. I think it can be weighed down in a way that is more pragmatic and that is after we um, cut the budget in, in places that you know DC will really hurt. I mean, these politicians, they're making a lot of money from this FAFSA and the federal and the, and the higher education funding, but they're making even more money from the military industrial yeah. complex. Yeah, on that we agree. And we know education is an industry just like any other industry. There's manipulation and nuance inside of every industry. But I'm glad you talked about the military complex, military industrial complex in the proper manner. Because truly, when people say, all right, this is military spending or Department of Defense spending, over 80% of that money doesn't actually go to the military, it goes to these private contracts, right? And I think people on the right have failed to properly articulate the reality of where that money goes. And that's why Republicans typically use the catch all phrase, this is Department of Defense spending. But then when you go line by line, you will recognize that over 80% of the budget has absolutely nothing to do with the United States military or direct protection of the country. These are contractors who have lobbied members of Congress in order to give them a fat check every year. Absolutely, sir. We are on the same page. You know, I used to be more conservative leaning. And when I say more conservative leaning, I mean basically what you would imagine, like Republican, MAGA, all mm-hmm. that. And that was a few years ago. And since then, I've become a lot more libertarian. I'm probably halfway in between libertarian and conservative, hence yeah. conservatarian. But yeah, I've changed my opinions a lot on the military and realized that, you know, it's a crock of corruption. That is nothing against veterans. I respect veterans. And part of my disgust for the military industrial complex is that they don't take care of the veterans after they come back home. Sister, I want to say this to you. We have the, the next show is coming up. Olivia, you are a bright mind. You're gonna be a remarkable scholar. Never lose the independence that you currently have because it gives you integrity. You're not carrying water for one while criticizing the other. You lay it down fairly. We do the very same right here on Indisputable. I got people on the left that hate me, people on the right and people in the middle can't stand me. All right, I would take that badge of honor all day. So I'm very proud of the way you are thoughtful about these elements. You and I may not agree on all of the details, but I do believe you are in the right direction with what the actual problems are and how to tackle them systemically, all right? Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, sir.